everyone, Sean here. Just uh, wanted to give you a heads up. This is a podcast with myself and Jackson Frank of Liberty Ballers and the Athletic Philly. And it's a good chat. It's uh, Jackson's very smart. It's his first appearance on the podcast. It'll be the first of many, I'm sure. But there were some uh, internet issues going on with this one. I think on Jackson's side of things, I, I think he was pulling up some numbers because he's far more prepared than I am. And a, a couple times here and there, the audio is a little bit iffy and just sort of like robotic at times. It's mostly fine and it's mostly very listenable. You never really lose the thread of conversation, but just wanted to give you a heads up there. There will be a couple times where the audio is a little bit skippy uh, and it, it gets back on track. I promise, but thank you for putting up with that, and uh, enjoy the podcast with myself and Jackson Frank. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 430, yeah, 430 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We've got Locked On Fantasy Football times two. We've got Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts contributing there. We've got weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick. On the NFL side, we've got Matt Williamson hosting Locked On NFL with weekly contributions from Mike Sando and Sage Rosenfels and a bunch of other great people who know a lot about football. It's a really good time for the network right now, so get on board. If you find a show that you like on the network, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it on whatever podcast uh, platform you use, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all of those ones, and I'm sure other ones that I don't even know exist. And uh, yeah, it's very, very helpful. The ratings and reviews are super nice, and they help us with algorithms and being more visible and collecting more listeners and all that stuff that everybody wants. So thank you very much for taking the small amount of time it requires to leave a rating or a review on the Locked On Raptors iTunes page or any other Locked On Podcast Network page for that matter. All right, let's get to today's show. On today's show, the Raptors had a rather big game on Wednesday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's ESPN All Access Day in Toronto as well. All the big names are up here. Rachel Nichols, Zach Lowe, Woj. Everyone's hanging out and uh, covering the Raptors. So for those who have been long awaiting Raptors coverage in the States, for whatever reason, you can't watch it on ESPN, so I don't know why you care. But <laughs> that's the thing going on today, and it's very exciting. So make sure you're, uh, I don't know, we're, we're going to make sure you're prepared for that, I suppose, with today's podcast, teeing up the game. And joining me to tee up tonight's game, Raptors Sixers, the first Jimmy Butler Sixers edition, God, what a dumb phrase that was. The first time the Raptors are playing Jimmy Butler and the Sixers, uh, to help me tee it all up, from Liberty Ballers, from the Athletic Philadelphia, from the Step Back, from a whole bunch of other places on the internet. It's Jackson Frank. How's it going, man? I am, uh, I'm doing well. That's, I, I was uh, shocked. 430 is a heck of a lot of podcast episodes. It's probably, it might be the most... Uh, Tenured podcast I've been on before. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's a while. Well. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. It Four, should, be, should be a really fun game. Very excited. 430 podcast episodes, and I still don't know how to do a damn intro. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe by 500, we'll see. Uh, thanks for coming on today, man. Very excited to have you on. Let's uh, sort of tee up what we're going to yeah. talk about today. We've got the, of course, weird stuff going on with Markel Fultz. I'm sure we'll touch on. We've got you know some sort of bigger Sixers questions, but I, first, I guess the first thing to touch on 
is the Jimmy Butler experience and how that's gone so far for the Sixers. Ten games so far, eight and two record. Not like a crazy elite point differential so far, but pretty good. I think about five point four. I had the numbers up and I closed the tab because I'm an idiot. Um, a pretty decent, you know, net rating so far through ten games. Not a particularly difficult schedule. Games against like the the Jazz and the Cavs and some other and like the Nets and some other not so great teams in there. But eight and two is eight and two. You can only play who's there. How legit is this start for the Sixers, and like, how is the Butler incorporation process going so far? Yeah, I mean, I think to, to answer your first question about how legit it is, I think, I think the big thing that I, I kind of presented maybe three or four games ago um, is obviously the Sixers are outperforming their point differential on the year by by a fair amount. Um, I think they're like two point net rating, and they're seventeen and eight, uh, only three games back of first in the the East. Um, and I think you have kind of to wonder is are they going to kind of correct that net rating or is the, the record going to kind of fall in line with that net rating? and i think i think they're they're definitely kind of hitting some hitting their stride now um yeah like you said it hasn't been a, a they're not blowing teams out or anything with butler but uh they're winning games uh, i think there's still kind of a little bit of a feeling out process there's been some times where where butler's just kind of planted in the corner offensively and isn't doing a ton um he's obviously a pretty well-rounded offensive player so i think he's still kind of trying to to make things work um but he just he just seems to really be enjoying himself mm-hmm. um which obviously is easy to say when when you're winning, and you're you're getting you're hitting big big shots and whatnot. But uh, he really just seemed to to connect well with um, Simmons and MB, particularly Simmons. They've got that whole kind of that word headband uh, cult thing going on now for the last <laughs> two games, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I I talked I said talked to someone yesterday on on Twitter that I think they're going to kind of tinker with his role, especially on offense, all the way through April because they know they know they kind of they got to maximize. Um, his, his ability and how they use him. Um, so I think we're going to kind of see some, some ebbs and flows of his usage, especially offensively. But uh, yeah, it's going well. It's it's fun to kind of see his contrasting style uh, defensively compared to a guy like Robert Covington. Um, obviously both two really heralded defenders but kind of do things differently. So it's been interesting to see and it's fun to have a, a lead guard who can hit pull-up threes and create off, create off the dribble for themselves, um, which is really something the Sixers have had uh, for quite a few years now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I gotta say, like going in, I didn't think the fit was going to be very seamless. I thought it was gonna take some time. I thought, in particular, just because Simmons, it's so necessary for him to have the ball in his hands so much, just because he's not an off-ball threat whatsoever. Like I thought that was just gonna create some friction there between him and Butler, because Butler sure loves to dribble and create for himself as well. And then obviously you have Embiid, who you know at times, like for good reason, everyone just kind of stands out of his way and lets him go to work because he's ridiculous and is like you know modern day Shaq at this point. Um, but you know it's it's fit a lot better I think than I expected. What were your expectations for sort of how they were gonna fit? And are there still some maybe sort of warning signs of maybe this not being totally you know figured out just yet? Yeah, I, I think I, I was definitely a little bit hesitant first in terms of I knew it would take a little bit of time to to get things going and um obviously they 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 lost the Orlando Magic in, in Butler's first game um granted the Magic aren't as bad as they've been in years past but still not still not a good loss by any means um for the record I, on I a Terrence Ross concerns. three Terrence Ross uh, whose photo <laughs> is framed above this desk yeah. right now uh hit, hit the winner in that one just for the record just so people remember <laughs> don't forget <laughs> yeah no he, he he's fun he, he's a Portland he's a Portland guy so I'll that's where I'm from. I'll uh, I'll give him some props. Uh, Derek was not a high school guy. Uh, anyways, uh, back to Butler. Yeah, sorry. Uh, who's not a Portland guy. <laughs> we often get derailed uh, for yeah. Terrence Ross talk on this podcast, so I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I'd like to see Butler 
run some more pick and roll. When uh, the only issue that you you use, you want to use some as maybe a short roll passer, kind of like the the Warriors do with Draymond Green, but the, there's not a ton of uh, shooting options around the perimeter uh, for the Sixers. They have guys like Muscala and JJ Redick, uh, Landry Shamit. Beyond those three, um, there's not a ton of ton of options that you can really play consistent uh, minutes. But yeah, so I think there's definitely some concerns, and uh, I would say he's deferring to Embiid a lot. I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but I just the eye test tells me that his usage is spiking a lot without uh, without Embiid on the floor. Uh, I, I just feel like every time Embiid goes out, they run a couple of pick and rolls right away with, with Butler on the floor. Um, so I'd wager to say his usage goes up there, and I, I definitely think it's, like, it's, it's going to be a feeling out process, but um, I think it's going to be good for, for Simmons. Uh, honestly, I, what I've noticed is honestly his his lack of shooting hurts more on the ball mm-hmm. um, just because teams play off so much. Uh, because he is six six foot ten, uh, you can do a little bit more things with him that you where you, where you can't do with uh, uh, other lead guards who are six two six three. So I think he's definitely is a little more of an off ball threat than on ball threat in terms of being a scorer, if that makes sense. Um, I think he commands more attention when he hangs out kind of in that that baseline area by the dunker spot um, mm-hmm. because he's so powerful and explosive. He can kind of overpower guys that they, they cheat off him, um, and then he's a pretty good cutter in terms of just instinctually and things like that that's, that's the place I think he's really grown in terms of reading the defense and knowing when to to uh to flash inside for buckets um but yeah I, I think you kind of have there's just been there's been a little bit of a feeling out process and kind of a little bit of a your turn my turn type thing uh with Embiid Simmons and Butler at times um but it's still early I mean we're, we're 25 games into the year you expect uh you, you got 57 more games plus a first round series um so I mean or maybe not the first round series because I think there's five really good teams in the East. So you got at least 55 more so to, to kind of get this right. And I think we've already seen some growth. So there's definitely room in, in for improvement. There's also reasons for optimism. Uh, but it will, will be really interesting to see how they fare against uh, the Raptors because right now that's kind of the, uh, the litmus test in the East. Yeah, this will be a matchup of, uh, I guess, depending on tonight's action, but I don't think it'll change the two best records in the NBA, which is... Uh, Pretty exciting. The Raptors took on, of course, the top team in the West in the Nuggets on Saturday, on Monday, sorry, and lost. Uh, you can also hear all about that uh, on t- yes, on Tuesday's podcast with myself and Vivette Jacob. If you want to go back and hear that, um, yeah, just uh, the offense has been good, and like you said, but I, I guess the defense is another thing too, right? Because you miss Covington, and like Covington is doing like incredible things right now with the Wolves defense, kind of reshaping it on his own. It's like wonderful to watch and yeah. I love caring about the, the Wolves again because they're not all sad and like up mopey about Jimmy Butler which is great um, so how has the defense for the Sixers changed because obviously the Sixers have insane defensive potential we've seen it before they were incredible down the stretch last year and Bede is like a defense unto himself how have they had to change playing defense you know working Butler in and not having Covington anymore well I think I mean obviously like I said both both are really good defenders in that right. I, I would say Covington's a better defender overall, um, just based on some advanced numbers and kind of what he does, especially off the ball. But yeah, it's it, it changes things a little bit just because Covington was so good at kind of cleaning up mistakes um, off the ball with his, his length and his timing and his blocks and his ability to get steals and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote a piece uh, for Liberty Ballers over the weekend that kind of talked about how I think they're, they're a little bit too switch happy um they have a lot of guys who are maybe one or two position defenders and they like to switch uh pretty much everything besides Embiid um in terms of screening uh so I think that's kind of hurting them guys like Landry Shamit, JJ Redick um Amir Johnson when he was in their rotation he's kind of out of there right now are guys who can consistently kind of defend up or down position I think that's kind of hurting them 
forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, they're letting guys get a lot of mid-range jumpers. Teams have kind of uh, some guards have gotten really hot from the mid-range, uh, which obviously is kind of the goal of Embiid to stay back, protect the paint. You can kind of want to force teams to take those uh, inefficient shots. But challenge, I, I think um, they're probably still one or two um, consistently good defenders or just wing rotation pieces away from kind of reaching that same level they were at last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, they were third in defensive rating last year. And I think this year they are, I want to say like 10th or 11th. It's trending upward uh, with their kind of recent hot streak. Uh, right now they're 11th, um, tied with the Heat for 10th. But um, they're obviously still three, I want to say like three points uh, higher. Their defense rating is three points higher than it was last year, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely work to be done. But but the issue is there's just not a lot of positive defenders just of Butler. Uh, so while you probably switch those guys a lot, especially Simmons and Butler, uh, you run the risk of kind of creating a lot of mismatches um, uh, with other guys, like I said, Shamit and Redick. Um, so I think there's definitely work work uh, left to done to kind of figure out what's the best scheme to maximize this defensive uh, personnel. And I don't think switching everything is really is really going to have uh, the desired effects just because they don't have quite the, the roster to do that right now. Yeah, uh, we're going to get to the questions of depth in just a second. But first, just uh, everyone, I want to remind you to check out the Locked On Podcast Network social media feeds. Check out at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it's a great little feed. It's, you know, it, it brings in all of the hosts from across the network. Instead of following all 60 hosts or whatever it is, you just get them all retweeted into one feed. It's great during breaking news, great during uh, live games and stuff like that. So at, that's at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter. And then the same handle on Instagram. Posting little snippets of the podcast, you get like just like little condensed takes. You get all this, uh, you get a little video along with the takes as well. It's good to brighten up your Instagram feed. If you don't want to hear the whole podcast, you can get those little minute long snippets of each podcast, and it's really useful as well. So check out the Locked On Network uh, Twitter and Instagram feeds at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net. Uh, check them out; they're very very useful and they're a lot of fun. All right, let's get into those questions of depth and the roster construction now for the Sixers because. Oh boy, there are a lot of questions. I guess we can start with Markel Fultz, who is the breaking news of the day. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, reporting that, uh, and this is I, apparently just through Markel Fultz's agent, Raymond Brothers, not through the team, that Fultz has been diagnosed with a neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, which sounds great. <laughs> Obviously, it's a it's a it's a condition where there's just like weakness and nerve damage or, or nerve abnormalities going on that makes it difficult to not just shoot but have basic motor functions and grip and all this stuff in the shoulder. And it sounds like he's going to be out. It sounds like something that can be rehabilitated with you know physical therapy. And the timeline right now is three to six weeks. We'll see on that because the Sixers seem to have weird medical stuff going on. Um, wh- what the hell, man? What's what's a like? How does like Fultz fit into the plans going forward for the Sixers team? And B, like, are, what is your level of confidence with their medical staff because they seem like a bunch of uh, Doctor Nicks out there? <laughs> uh, perfect reference there. Uh, <laughs> great show the simpsons anyways um yeah what the hell is kind of my response to i just don't know exactly how to to react to this point um but yeah there's not not a great tracker for the sixers medical staff um i think at the same time while they've had their fair share of blunders um that piece the athletic released maybe two or three weeks ago now uh with some uh conjoined reporting um jared wise sam amick uh i think shams there Derek bodner uh a whole, whole 
host of guys. Uh, it, it talked about how the uh, Fultz hasn't parent as he might like in terms of some of his injuries. So I think uh, in that sense, there's definitely some shadiness maybe going on with with his group. Um, so I can't I can't blame it all on on the Sixers. But yeah, it's just it's just weird um, if this has really been an injury that's been plaguing them for a while or plaguing him for a while. Uh, um, you gotta wonder why exactly it wasn't diagnosed. But at the same time, when when True Hanlon tweeted that thing out how he wasn't still healthy uh, and then deleted it. Uh, a couple of reporters or I think uh, asked Fultz about if he was healthy and he said he was mm-hmm. um, so it's so I don't necessarily know exactly if he said he's healthy I don't know is the training staff supposed to be like well Hanlon's telling the truth let's test you for some things yeah. um, but, but yeah, it, it's just really tough for me to kind of for to me distinguish like who exactly deserves which parts of the blame for this whole year long year plus thing now uh, obviously, I think the Sixers training staff doesn't really get the, the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. uh, with some of their past uh, mishaps. But uh, I, I think Fultz maybe is a little more Fultz and his group is maybe a little more at fault than, than past injuries with guys like Nerlens Noel and and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid uh, in terms of their kind of injury history. But but yeah, I just I don't really know what to make of it at this point. Yeah, uh, I I wish the best for him and I hope he figures it out um, in terms of his NBA career and. Uh, maybe whatever else is potentially going on with him off the court, uh, but at the same time, it definitely feels like the Sixers have a little bit been dragged through the mud with this thing. And um, I, I can't say that necessarily they want it to end, but I think they they maybe would like to just kind of be able to focus on basketball and, and focus on their their big three now that's uh, letting them climb back up the, their standings. Yeah, is Fultz just like not going to be part of the plans going forward? Do you think like, or is this just like they'll ride it out this season or however long it takes for them to figure out a trade for someone to take them on? Um, you know, not pick up whatever options he has down the road. Like, what do you think is sort of the the future with Fultz and the Sixers at this point? Yeah, my my unsourced intuition is that I, I think uh, I, I think they're going to find a trade partner for him sometime this year. Mm. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know if that's during the season. Uh, I, I should say not this year because um, we only have 27 days left of this year. Uh, hmm. I would say before kind of the next NBA season right. um, because he's got a really big cap hold. I think it's like $9.7 million next year. Uh, and that, while it's not necessarily a huge game breaker free agent, it's going to open up enough cap space to maybe get you one. Hmm. Um, I think they would open up nearly like $30 million in cap space and get you one of those lower free agents, um, even if they re-sign Butler. Uh, so I think, and it just seems like some of the reports have said that they're they're kind of tired of this whole thing and uh, would like to find a solution. And so uh, I think there are some teams that would be willing to take him on as kind of a reclamation project. He's still got talent clearly. Um, before this whole uh, new new wave of news came out, oh gosh, new wave of news. That's awful. Um, <laughs> good thing I would never write it like that. Anyways, um, uh, this this whole new thing coming out where he uh, pulled himself or his agent pulled him out. Roster, not the roster, anyways. Uh, and, uh, making some better plays in terms of attacking the basket. So there's definitely still talent there, but obviously the the bridge between that is just can he shoot and will he shoot? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's enough hope there that maybe a tanking team or a, a non-contending team to find uh, a trade a trade with a six, um, maybe for a wing or a power forward or something like that, which is kind of their areas of depth uh, that need um, improvement. So. Uh, uh, my my bet be he's not with the team come the playoffs and they've they found a trade with it for him to, to kind of maybe get an expiring contract uh, for like a wing who can shoot and defend a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Trevor Rodriguez has been tossed around a lot um, within Suns camps and, and Sixers camps uh, just as, as fans maybe analysts to an extent. 
would be my guess, but um, that's just my my intuition. That's not not really based on any any intel. Um, but it just seems like some of the reports I've read that the Sixers are are growing a little bit tired of this whole a whole thing and would like to just be able to focus on on winning with their their roster they have uh, now. Yeah, fair enough. It's a weird situation. Tough for Fultz. Uh, and man, there's a Terrence Ross, Marco Fultz swap staring me in the face that seems like it might make some sense and also really conflict <laughs> that, me. That's as another someone, one that I've seen tossed around. Yeah, as someone who uh, actively uh, has an interest in the Sixers losing um, come playoff time, I would not appreciate <laughs> having to root for Terrence Ross to lose. Let me put it that way. Um, so we'll see how that all goes. Um, so. It's kind of interesting because the Sixers were kind of looked as like a Kyle Korver obvious landing spot, right? It's like, oh, yeah, like they're just going to get Korver. That's what's going to happen. They're going to trade Jared Bayless or whatever it is. And then they used the Jared Bayless contract in the Butler deal. And then they're kind of out of like salary tickets to, you know, get a guy back, right? Like they're, they're not a ton of like contracts they can move at this point. And maybe Fultz becomes that guy now at 9.7 for next year. Like maybe that is more of a movable deal. And I guess that, that, that sort of opened things up. But, like, was it, like, a blow to see Kyle Corver land with the Jazz? Because he seems like he would have been a really nice fit. Or is it something where they need someone who's a bit more two-way and able to play defense as opposed to Corver, who's very much just, like, a, a, an older version of J.J. Redick at this point? <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the issue with uh, Corver is he's got, so he's got, like, a partially guaranteed deal for the next. And I think the Sixers really want to keep their book free to add a piece um, or just add most, more pieces to surround the Butler, Simmons, and beat uh, core. So I think the big thing uh, kind of holding them up uh, uh, from really making a move there. But, but yeah, I think I'm trying to find their their assets. Uh, uh, a couple second-round picks from Chicago and a couple other things. And I think another guy that is kind of an asset would be like Furkan Korkmaz, uh, who's kind of right at the end of the rotation, playing mm-hmm. about 12 to 15 minutes a night. Uh, and then Fultz, yeah, I think Fultz is kind of there of getting off some salary and, and uh, getting a, a guy who can help them right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a huge bulge because that for the, for for analysts or the team in general, because I think they're, they're trying to keep their books free to be honest here. And uh, and Corver doesn't quite let them do that, even if it's a small, it's not a huge cap hold. But I know it's I know there's something there. Right. Um, but yeah, I think we've mentioned a couple guys, Trevor Reza, Terrence Ross, guys who are not firing free pretty well. And, uh, well, I don't think Corbett's a terrible defender. I think he's noticeably better than, than Reddick just because he's got a little bit better size, too. I think maybe finding uh, a guy who can defend better um, or defend at an above average level, I guess, yeah. would be the way to phrase it. Um, it's something they're looking to do. And if they can find a guy who's the books after after this year, um, that's kind of what they're they're trying to, to find. But, um, but there's, yeah. The issue is I think there's a lot of teams that are looking for, for expiring wings who can shoot the three and defend a little bit. And, and I don't necessarily know what distinguishes the Sixers' assets from other teams. I think there's an, a pretty big market for a guy like Terrence Ross and Trevor Reza. Hmm. I'm just not sure if the Sixers, when they push up, are going to be the team who has the most to offer for those guys. Yeah, as it turns out, valuable skill set, uh, shooting threes and playing defense. And I guess that's sort of, <laughs> if you're looking at the Sixers in relation to, say, the, the Raptors and the Celtics, that might be the one area where... The Sixers are really lagging behind. It's that, you know, the Raptors kind of have 
a roster of guys who are at least average defenders. They maybe have like two guys who are subpar defenders. Everyone else is either good to very, very good. Um, same with the Celtics. They've they got defenders up and down. The Bucks as well are kind of trending that direction as well, where they have mostly good defenders on the team. And it will kind of become a thing in the playoffs if there are guys who are actively exploitable on the Sixers roster. Like They're just not going to be able to have enough guys on the court who can defend you know, capably at, at all at the same time. That's going to become a liability. But at the same time, Joel Embiid's incredible, and Jimmy Butler's a killer, and Ben Simmons obviously has his upsides as well. Obviously, the fact that he won't shoot threes is a drawback, but where, where to sort of, to wrap this thing up, like, where do you sort of see the Sixers now based on seeing 10 games with Butler, you know, with all these questions about the roster construction in mind, like, where do you sort of see the Sixers stacked up in the East? Like, do you think they are a very real contender to make the, the finals, or are they more of a sort of like a second-tier team as they were before the trade? I, I would kind of put them in that second, I, so I, I'm, I'm all in on the Raptors. I think they've been phenomenal all year. Um, <laughs> I just think I re- they have so many, uh, so many good pieces and not a lot of weak points, like you said. Um, so I kind of put them in that first tier, mm-hmm. uh, and I would put maybe kind of the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers in that second tier. Uh, and any of those, any of those three teams could uh, kind of figure it out and, and meet the meet the Raptors in in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Granted, I mean, there's no guarantee the Raptors are going to make it. Obviously, everyone knows about their kind of their their playoff struggles, but. Um, but I, but I think I'd probably say Boston has the most upside just because they have so much I think Stevens is going to figure it out. I think he's too good of a coach to kind of let this not work for, for a while. And they are, they are, they are training in the right direction, 13-10. Uh, uh, their net rating is 7th. Uh, um, so it's obviously better. 7th at 4.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I, th- so I, I would pick them if I had to had to make a decision right now who I think would, would square off in the, the Eastern Conference Finals. But I would put them a second tier with a good chance to make the Eastern Conference Finals. But I have a tough time seeing them uh, really, really figure it out unless they get like a really valuable piece uh, on the buyout market or, or the trade deadline or something. Just because they, are, like you said, they do have a lot of weak points, especially defensively. Uh, and there's just not a lot of players besides Reddick, Simmons, and Bean Butler. Uh, I think Wilson Chandler has his moments. Same with Mike Muscala. Uh, I think Landry Shamans can be a heck of a shooter in his prime, but just a lot of guys who have troubling flaws that could really be exploited against uh, teams with multiple ball. Uh, and guys ram like the the Celtics and the the Bucks and the the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to have a three. I think the Sixers have the best big three in the in the East, uh, and probably the NBA besides the besides the Warriors. Who, which makes which makes it seem like we're talking about the East, and there's just this giant <laughs> tight news probably just going to still blow everyone out of the water uh, in in six months. But uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I I think that top end talent great, but if you don't have five guys who are generally pretty capable of handling their own in a playoff series. It makes it tough, you know. You can't, you can't win a game three on five or four on five, even if you've got the four best players on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good points. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this matchup looks on the court tonight, and I uh, can't wait to see. There's a, two more matchups as well beyond this, and hopefully it's a playoff action, man. Like the thing about the East, and I've said this before, but like. There are four extremely good teams, maybe five if you include the Pacers in that, although I think they're probably a little step below the other four teams we've talked about here. But, like, there's going to be some, like, real sports hate in the playoffs, and it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait. And these two teams, I mean, Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry almost fought each other last year. There's some animus here. It's going to be exciting. That that was the weird. I remember that. I think that was what like a like an early January game, mid January. It was game. MLK Day. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. I was gonna say it was, I was gonna say it was MLK Day, right? That that whole thing was weird. I just felt like it just totally escalated. <laughs> escalated. But uh, yeah, I'm excited tomorrow. Maybe maybe we'll get uh, maybe Joel Embiid will get hot and rain more threes because that was uh, 
that, I mean, that was fun to watch when, when he kind of brought them back, just, just ran three pieces here. Uh, really, obviously, the, the Raptors kind of uh, manhandled uh, the, the Sixers overall, but it was fun to kind of see Embiid drag them back. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a better game this year, hopefully, or this time. Uh, uh, Butler versus Kawhi will be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Simmons versus Lowry, things like that. Uh, even though I, I doubt that Simmons will probably guard Lowry. He's not. He's, he's good at def- defending point guards, but I don't think he's quite his best against them. But yeah, I'm definitely excited. It should be kind of a good, a really good barometer to see how those new look Sixers are are faring against uh, probably the top team in the East right now. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to see if Ben Simmons can uh, have less than 11 turnovers this time out. That would be nice for the Sixers' purposes. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was horrific. Just watching that. Wild. Kawhi, I just, man. Sometimes I don't understand what he what he's doing in terms of his decision making. Talented passer. Sometimes he he leaves me scratch my head with some of his turnovers, but. But yeah, I, I would I would take the under on uh, eleven turnovers this time around. <laughs> Probably smart, uh, Jackson. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It took us four hundred and thirty episodes to get you on, but we'll have you on definitely again by eight sixty. I would assume. Uh, I, yeah, I would I would hope I can make it back on before uh, before it takes But yeah, thank, thanks for having me. This is this is fun, and I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty amped for tomorrow's game because of whether or not Sixers make it uh, competitive. The Raptors are really really fun to watch, and they've been that way all year. So. Uh, either way, I'll, I'll get to watch some uh, some fun NBA basketball, which I can't really complain about. Looking forward to it. Plug some stuff. Uh, yeah, so you can find most of my Sixers content at uh, SB Nation's Liberty Ballers. Uh, I and every now and then I do some post game report cards uh, for the Athletic, uh, and then general NBA thoughts uh, at Fan Sides to Step Back. Um, that's where I'm at right now in terms of my NBA content. So that's where you can find me. And uh, hopefully, I'll be writing about some uh, some fun. Some fun Sixers Raptor stuff in the, the coming days, maybe. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, Jackson, thanks for coming on, man. Everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back again, uh, I guess, Thursday, breaking down this game. I might do a game from the arena on Wednesday, but it's pretty late, and I got an early morning Thursday, so I might try to get out of there with the 8 p.m. start. But there will be a podcast some point on Thursday to break all of that down. And uh, thank you so much. Subscribe, rate, review, as always. Do the good stuff, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors.